2: The Sports Betting
3: Network. It is hour number three of the Greg Peterson experience. We've talked a lot on this show about so many different sports. We have dove into the NBA a little bit that last hour. You wound up getting a college hoops du jour as I wound up going through the just conferences in general out here on the West Coast. I wound up giving out some conference champions That I think are going to be able to reign supreme. So a little bit on the futures board there. Wound up going through a lot of college football. But college football was for Saturday. In the Continental 48 states. It is a Sunday all over the place by the way. if You're on the east coast. I think that you wound up just needing to set your clock back. So you might be experiencing the 2am portion of the Greg Peterson experience twice. With it being different both times. So that's just the oddness of daylight savings time but with that said congratulations on an extra hour of sleep but I will sleep when I'm dead because we've got money to be made ladies and gentlemen so let's dive into this NFL betting board and being someone that was born and raised 45 minutes away from the state of Wisconsin I think it's in my contract that the first game I must touch upon Packers versus Chiefs it is a big one and it's seen the biggest line move because well you wind up having Aaron Rodgers with the I am McLovin license wind up testing positive for COVID. He's going to be out for this game. And now you've got the Chiefs as a seven and a half point favorite total on this game. Wound up opening up in a lot of spots right around about a 53 to a 53 and a half. This has fallen to in a lot of places more like a 48. And I like the under a little bit before. I still like it now because, well, you got Jordan Love now in the fold. So got to figure out that the Packers are going to be scoring a couple fewer points. But you take a look at this Packers defense and They have been very conducive to unders. You take a look at the Packers, and I believe that now four out of their last five games have wound up going under the total. The lone one that wound up going over, I think was that Bengals versus Packers overtime game, but they have been very good to the under. Six out of their eight games, as a matter of fact, have wound up going under. And then you take a look at this Kansas City Chiefs team, Well, they can't stop a nosebleed. It's been really bad for them. They were able to do a little bit of a better job last week against the New York Giants. But this is a little bit of a broken offense. You may recall at the end of Bet Center, myself and Jeff Parles were diving into this game. And you can tell that the Chiefs were getting very lucky with the amount of turnovers that they did not wind up having the last two years. And I feel like that luck is starting to come around a little bit. The batted balls that were incomplete a few years ago, they're now becoming interceptions for Patrick Mahomes, who... Leads the intercept that leads the league in terms of interceptions at this point. You got to figure that with Jordan Love being out there, you're going to see a very heavy dosage of Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones is one of the better running backs out there in the NFL. Four and a half yards per carry, someone that's already got seven total touchdowns. Ironically enough, four of them receiving, but I would not doubt it if a guy that has seen 13 to 15 carries, anywhere between 13 and 15 for the last five weeks. He winds up seeing that bumped up to 20 plus. You've got to figure that you're going to be having a lot of the run game, and just with Jordan Luff, is he a little bit of an unknown? Absolutely, but when you're an unknown, you know it's very beneficial being able to have good weapons at your disposal and being able to face off against a Chiefs defense that has been on pace to be historically bad. Now, last week them being able to face off against the Giants wound up helping out that historically bad pace, but. You're going to have back in the fold Devontae Adams, and we all know that Devontae Adams is the go-to guy for the Green Bay Packers. They've been dealing with having Robert Tunyon really have to be one of the main targets for this team the last few weeks, but it's not just the fact that Adams is back in the fold. You also wind up getting back the deep threat in Marquez valdes scantling as well. valdes scantling is a guy that's able to take the top off the defense, not necessarily going to be a possession-wide receiver, but everything is set up for Aaron For Aaron Rodgers' successor and Jordan Love to be able to have success. And then you take a look at the Chiefs. They've had imbalance when it comes to the run game versus the pass game in general the last few years. But it's just continuing to get worse and worse and worse. I think that they are very much missing. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, him not being out there, has caused this team to go from pretty darn one-dimensional to very one-dimensional. And what I've been very impressed with with the Green Bay Packers is the way that they've been able to hold down the fort, even though they have been dealing with. Quite a few injuries in the secondary. Most notably, they've been without Jair Alexander for quite a few weeks. And yet, they still have been able to do a good job of being able to lock down on some of these teams. The front seven has been solved for the team. Now, they are dealing with a couple of injuries of their own. Kike is going to be out of the game for this team. But you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Adrian Amos. And he's actually been very good. Back in the secondary for the team along Darnell Savage at the safety spot. So I think that you're going to have some rock solidness there. And What I will say for the Kansas City Chiefs is that we've noticed it time and time again with Andy Reid coaches teams. The defense does get better as the season goes along. Now, I do think that the 17 points that they wound up giving up to the New York Giants. A lot of that is a product of, well, the Giants just stink. But this is a team that they've been able to get healthier and healthier as well. Frank Clark is someone that has missed some time. He is out there on the field for this team. You got to feel like the honey manager, Tyron Matthew, he's got too much pride to allow this defense to be necessarily so bad. So I take a look at the drop in the total and it doesn't deter me. I still like the under, but being able to get north of a touchdown at minimum a seven with the Packers, it does appeal to me. With the Chiefs, they just haven't been able to cover games in general. You take a look at them and really ever since the middle half of last year, they've been the worst against the spread team. In all of football sense, I would say week eight, week nine of the NFL season last year. It certainly has been befuddling. They wound up winning a bunch of their games last year by three points, six points. Just unable to cover those touchdown plus spreads. And I think that you're going to be finding it once again with the Packers being able to have a full complement of options for Jordan love and you got to feel like Jordan love to use a little bit more of a human element. He's going to have a lot to prove in this game. I think that the Packers do lend a lot of value. So I'm taking a look at the Packers getting seven and a half points. I think that this just under binge that we're seeing with the Packers. It is going to be continuing. And when you take a look at the NFL in general, I've been mentioning it quite a bit on this program the last few weeks, whether you're betting on the NFL, whether you're betting on college football, the NBA, we've been seeing one trend in all of these sports. Unders, unders, unders. In the NFL so far this season, you've seen 67 unders to 55 overs. So that has been something that I've been looking to plot my money down on. Just unders in general when it comes to all these major sports, especially the NFL, has been very beneficial. And let's take a look at another game. I like the under on. That would be the Houston Texans going on the road to face off against the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins wound up opening up a touchdown favorite in a lot of spots. Now you're finding this anywhere between a 5 to a 5.5. This is one that Cedar trotted a little bit because even just taking a look here at Circa, the Miami Dolphins got down as low as a a 4.5 if you take a look at the line history. But I take a look at the Dolphins, and while I do think that they should be able to win this game outright, I don't have a lot of faith in Tua, and boy, do I not have any faith in Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is going to be taking the field for the first time in a little bit under two months, and with Tyrod Taylor, he's never necessarily been great in general, and with Tyrod Taylor, when he was with the Buffalo Bills, it seemed like he really was starting to have a little bit of a coming out party, and then they wound up replacing him for Nate Peterman, who is better known as Nate Pickerman, for the Texans. Their last one wound up coming in week one when they wound up going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they're coached by a man that, well, he is clearly there for the paycheck, and he is going to be on the unemployment line soon. So, that eh, is not necessarily lending you a lot of confidence, but take a look at the Texans bunch, and the defense isn't necessarily terrible because you do have a Miami Dolphins team that they've got Miles Gaskin, who I argue is a little bit underutilized. I would give them the ball a little bit more if I were the brass of the Miami Dolphins, so they don't have to worry too much about that. The secondary with guys like Justin Reed, Eric Murray, it's not great, but you've got a little bit of something with Desmond King the second as well, the front seven. It certainly isn't necessarily as good as it was, even just as little as a few weeks ago because Whitney Merciless. No longer along that. But you take a look at the Texans. And I do think that they're set up for a little bit more success here with Tyrod Taylor. But also keep in mind, they want trading away Mark Ingram. So now you have to rely upon David Johnson Tony in the rock. And have we ever seen such a disappointment from one guy who wound up having a massive breakout in his second year with the Arizona Cardinals? And so now I mean it has just been absolutely a fall off the cliff sort of trajectory. For him, it has been absolutely terrible to watch it this year. He's been hardly getting any carries whatsoever. So, I mean, it's just been a very bad go of it, to say the least, for him. And then you take a look at this Miami Dolphins team, and they've got as many wins as the Houston Texans right now. I thought that maybe a little bit of the hype of the Miami Dolphins was a little bit overblown because there were quite a few people coming into the year that thought that they could be a fringe playoff contender. But I certainly did not wind up seeing one in seven being a possibility for this team. And it doesn't matter who's been a quarterback for the team, whether it be Tua Tagovailoa or if it be Jacoby Brissett, neither of these guys have been able to get anything going whatsoever because they need to keep airing it out. And neither of these guys are necessarily ones that you want to be having them drop back and throw up 40-plus times per game. If there was a little bit more balance with the offense, I could see maybe laying the points here with the Miami Dolphins, but and certainly is not the case now with the Dolphins. Their defense has been very much a disappointment. I think the big key for them, though, is that Davion Howard has been banged up this year. Already has a pair of interceptions, but he's missed a couple games for this team. Being able to have him back, and have him back relatively about as close to 100% as he has been in quite a while, I think that that's going to yield some good things for this team, to say the least. And Then when you take a look at the Miami Dolphins as well, this is a bunch of which you've got to feel like Jalen Wa- Waddell is going to be able to bust out and be able to take the top off of defenses a little bit more because I've been a little bit surprised that he's been a tad bit more of a possession wide receiver. He's averaging right around eight and a half yards per catch. You would figure that they'd be using him down the field a little bit more. I think that a lot of this is a product of it's been pretty much musical chairs with Brissette along to Tiger Vailoa. Both of these guys who have not necessarily been necessarily rock solid, but I take a look in this spot as well and Right now, I've given out two games. I like both of the Unders, and I like the underdog in both of these games between the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs, along with this one with the Houston Texans and the Miami Dolphins. And The reason why I like the points with the Houston Texans is it's just more or less a vote of no confidence for the Miami Dolphins. I just don't think that the Dolphins should be north of a field goal favorite against anyone not named the Jacksonville Jaguars at this point. So... That's where we're going. And coming up next, well, we are talking about mediocre teams. So we'll dive into a few other teams that, well, they haven't necessarily been able to get things going. And we're going to be looking to fade some of those. That is up next right here on Vison the Sports Fighting Network, the Greg Peterson Experience.
2: Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting
3: network. The VSIN midseason football special is here for just $99. You get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of the NFL playoffs daily best bets, emails, 24 7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly plus in-depth data and analysis on vsin.com and the upcoming College Hoops betting guide. Looks like that is probably going to be coming your way Monday, by the way, so we are on track for that, and this is a great deal for just $99 for the rest of the football season. Sign up now, bsincom slash subscribe as we're back here. It is lovely Las Vegas. It is a Greg Peterson experience, and shout out to all the guys. Back there doing a great job of being able to keep me afloat tonight. you got Nick Wells, our man Oliver, Wyatt, my producer. All of you gentlemen are doing a great job. I very much do appreciate it. I think we wound up having someone new working back there tonight as well. I'll need to give him a shout-out on the other side as well. I am bad with names, so my apologies on that. But what we are good with is being able to find some money on the NFL betting board. And how about if we go to Jacksonville? Because... The money has been betting on teams not named the Jaguars in these games. As you've got the Buffalo Bills, they are on the road facing off against the Jaguars. And this is one of the more demonstrative lines that we're seeing on the board. As a matter of fact, it is the biggest line. As you've got the Buffalo Bills finding themselves as a 14.5 point favorite across the board. And this is a total that you're finding it pretty steady at a 48.5. And this is one in which if you want to take a look at the look at lines, It coming out with the Bills not quite being this much of a favorite. Rightfully so, it has shot up, and I cannot make any sort of a case for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It just baffles the human mind that Urban Meyer still has a job, and I am not one that advocates for coaches getting canned this early. I think that you should give your coach a little bit of time. The reason why I think that Urban Meyer should be canned is, for one, why in the world did the Jaguars even hire him? I mean, that's what I find to be so befuddling. Who in the right mind thought, you know who should really coach this team? Urban Meyer. Guy that has not coached in a few years. A guy that has never kept a stable job because he has wanted walking away for health reasons. And then he wanted walking away for other reasons and things like this. And they thought, yeah, Urban Meyer. He's our coach of the future right there. A guy that has absolutely no experience in the NFL. Great move, guys. I have no idea who wanted up saying that, but. With that said, when you take a look at the actual product, it's just really tough because with the Jacksonville Jaguars, reason why they are now going from more like a 13.5 to a 14, and now a 14.5 is it looks like James Robinson is probably not going to wind up playing in this game. He is listed officially as questionable. This directly from ESPN. It looks like he's going to be testing out his injured heel in pregame warm ups, but. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, the Jaguars are, and a quote, increasingly pessimistic that he is going to be able to play on Sunday. And, well, I'm pessimistic on Urban Meyer actually giving a darn about this Jacksonville Jaguars team. He is clearly there for the paycheck and the paycheck only. And they have to try to shut down a Buffalo Bills team that has been just an absolute juggernaut on offense, averaging right around 33 points per game. They've been moving the ball incredibly. Stefan Diggs. Has been absolutely amazing when it comes to being able to get the ball from Josh Allen. You've also got Devin Singletary, who's been a little bit of a home run hitter out of the backfield for this team. He's averaging right around five-ish yards per carry, so he's been able to do a good job of being able to tote the rock for this team. A guy that hasn't necessarily caught a lot of balls out of the backfield. He's been used a tad bit more sparingly the last few weeks, but I think that he's going to be able to go off. He's going to be to have a big week in this one. Now, I will give Trevor Lawrence a little bit of credit in that. He has been able to cut down on the turnovers in recent weeks, but I think a little bit of that is a product of the fact that they're playing against, let's call it what it is, not necessarily the world's greatest teams. They wind up playing against the Seattle Seahawks, not necessarily a fearsome defense, and they only wind up scoring seven points in that game. They wind up getting a win against the Miami Dolphins, their first in over 400 days that came across the pond. So, Their losing streak on U.S. soil is still above 400 days. So you got that going for you. So it's been a case in which there's just not a lot of redeeming qualities when it comes to the Jags. And then you take a look at the Buffalo Bills. And with Greg Russo coming in and being able to fortify things up front, this has been a team that has been able to do a better job of be able to get a nice pass rush. And take a look at the Bills up front with Jerry Hughes as well. He's been able to do a nice job in the secondary Micah Hyde has been just a stalwart for this team. So I take a look at the spot and man, there's just no way I can advocate for a play on the Jags. Now I do like this a little bit less now that you've got the hook on 14, but even at 14 and a half, I think that the bills should be able to win this game by more than two touchdowns. It's hard for me to look anywhere else. And when it comes to the total, it is one of intrigue because I feel like the Buffalo bills have a chance to be able to put up 35 plus all by themselves. But I don't know if the Jaguars are going to be able to get 10 points. So I'd be looking at another under in this spot. It's something we've been seeing a lot in the NFL this year. Over 55% of games are going under. And I think that we could wind up seeing another under because even if the Buffalo Bills do their part when it comes to this total, their part might need to actually be the entirety and they might need to score seven touchdowns because I just don't know if the Jags are going to be able to score any points whatsoever because they're coached by a guy that flat out doesn't care. So you've got that going on right now. Let's take a look at a game out there in the AFC that should be a little bit more competitive. The Cleveland Browns are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Browns are full of their controversies as well. With Odell Beckham Jr. looking like he's going to be waived within the next few days. It's been a big, giant saga to say the least. And has that really deterred people from betting on the Cleveland Browns? They wound up opening up a lot of spots right around a 3 ish point underdog and You've now seen this become in a lot of spots a two, and your total on this game, it has actually went up. It's went to right around a 47.5 to a 48, depending on where you're looking, which I do find to be intriguing, because when you take a look at the Browns last year when they wound up having their most success, it's actually when Odell Beckham was out of the fold, so this could be a little bit of an addition by subtraction. Now, I would argue that whenever you have a player of the caliber of Odell Beckham Jr., it's not necessarily the case, but... Baker Mayfield was not necessarily targeting him at all. You've seen him be able to find his tight end in David Unjoku, who's been able to have himself a relatively solid year. He's been able to pop off and give this team a little bit of something. I take a look at what he's been able to do the recent in recent weeks, and it's been a little bit more pedestrian, but I think that we could wind up seeing him have a little bit of an explosion like he wound up having against the Chargers, maybe not to the tune of seven catches for a buck forty-nine, but I think that all this OBJ news, Could cause him to be a little bit more of an integral part of the offense, especially with Harrison Bryant dealing with a little bit of an injury at that tight end spot as well. And then you take a look at the Bengals, and this has been a very rock-solid offense. Joe Burrow has been able to do a good job of being able to find Jamar Chase now. What we haven't been talking about with Burrow is the fact that this guy is a little bit turnover-prone as well. Right now, number one in the NFL in terms of interceptions is Patrick Mahomes, but Joe Burrow is in a tie for second. He's thrown nine picks so far this year, so he has been little bit careless there. He's got to combine five interceptions in the last four games, at least one interception in each of those contests, and as we know, the Bengals, they're coming off of just an absolutely deplorable loss against the J-E-T-S, just, just, just as I figured that their defense would start to get exposed a little bit more. It felt like their just tremendous start to the year on defense was a little bit built on sand. Now, I take a look at it, and I don't necessarily know what you're going to be able to get out of the Browns because you do have just All of this is swirling around the team, but I do like what you've been able to get out of Nick Chubb as well. He has really fortified himself as one of the better running backs out in the NFL. This is someone that has been able to rack up 84-plus yards in four of the team's last five weeks on the ground that he's been playing, in. he was dealing with a little bit of an injury. It looks like he's closer to 100% now, so that is something that I think is going to be beneficial to them as well. But I take a look at the Bengals, and I do think that they're in a pretty good spot against a Browns team that I love Kevin Stefanski as a coach. I do have my question marks with this defense as well. I just still go back to the game that we wound up seeing against the LA Chargers in which they just wound up giving up points upon points. And I think that it could be a spot in which you do wind up seeing the Bengals wind up giving up quite a bit once again. But I think that the Bengals are just the better team in this spot. I am certainly willing to lay this now that it is below a field goal. I've been advocating for a lot of unders early on in this slate. I think that this is one in which we do wind up seeing an over. I do agree with the line move, being able to tick up this total. It wound up starting out in a lot of spots, right around a 45 to a 46. It's gone up to a 47 to a 48, and I think the folks are betting on the over. They know what they're doing. So I like this over, and I do like the Cincinnati Bengals to be able to cover a very small number. We've got another intriguing game that doesn't necessarily involve a big number in and of itself. That would be the Carolina Panthers against the New England Patriots. Patriots wound up opening up in a lot of spots, right around at two and a 2.5 to a 3-point favorite. This has jumped to pretty much a 3.5 across the board. The juice that you're going to find if you're laying the 3.5, most likely going to be more towards even money, minus 105 in a lot of places with the Patriots. And this is a very, very low total. It is tied for the lowest total on the board with the Falcons versus the Saints in some spots. In other spots, this is just standalone alone the lowest total on the board, anywhere between 40 to 40 or I should say anywhere between 41 to 41.5 is what you're finding here. And when it comes to the New England Patriots, they have been able to find a little bit of something with the Mac attack. We recall them being able to put up that 54 spot against the New York Jets. I don't know if that's necessarily representative of them, and we're going to have, in all likelihood, unless if something just winds up happening very drastically, a big-time addition for the Carolina Panthers that I think is going to help stabilize Sam Darnold We're going to be talking about that a little bit more on the other side because I do think that you could have a good opportunity with the Carolina Panthers, and I'm going to be giving you guys my reasons why. That is coming up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v the Sports Betting Network.
2: Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network.
3: We have a new prop tracker now available at vsin.com for you to be able to keep up with all the NFL props. Head over to vsin.com to get current odds as well as movement on each week to be able to follow the trends and find the best value. This is going to allow you to be able to track the odds to be able to win MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and so much more. Check out the Prop Tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data now for every single game. That is at vsin.com slash. That is at vsin.com slash nfls. We're back here. It is the Greg Peterson experience. We're talking all about this big, giant NFL Sunday that we've got ahead of us. And, in the final segment, I'm going to give you guys a little bit on the Champions Classic as well. College basketball is returning on Tuesday, so we'll do a little bit on those two games as well. Give you guys some picks. Give you guys some analysis because it is getting to be that wonderful time of year. The time of year in which we've got college basketball every day. I would argue it's the most special time of year, but I might be a little bit biased on that. But I don't think I'm too, necessarily too biased here. As we've got Panthers and Patriots wind up setting this up on the other side, but I do think that you've got some good value here as the Panthers being a home underdog, and the big reason why, it looks like Christian McCaffrey is going to be able to get back on the field for this game, unless if something winds up happening last minute, he is going to be able to return now. I don't expect Christian McCaffrey to be 100%, but you can tell that just when he was out there in general, Sam Darnold was really able to hit his peak while he was out there, Sam Darnold actually wound up rushing for five touchdowns in those first three games. So that was something that allowed this team to be a little bit more multidimensional. And when it comes to Panthers, you do have quite a few guys out there on the outside that I think is going to be able to relieve a little bit of pressure from Sam Darnold as well. Obviously, you've got Mr. Moore, who's got 645 yards, three touchdowns. DJ turn it up more. He certainly has been able to turn it up and give you some more. He's been able to do a nice job for this team. You got Sam Darnold, too. No question. It's been tough for him, but I feel like he's been able to right the ship a little bit more after a really rocky start. Now he still had seven touchdowns to eight interceptions. That is not what you want to see. He has been cleared for being able to play in this game through concussion protocol. Now it seems like he's still a little bit questionable. A little bit more of a game-time decision due to the shoulder injury they wound up having, but it seems like more and more that he probably should be able to play in this game. Obviously, you want to be checking in on his status and or you want to be feeling good about the other options for the Carolina Panthers if he does not wind up going because if Darnold is unable to go due to the shoulder injury, it is going to be P.J. Walker by in center, and no question, the fall-off between Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker, I do think that is Sarah now. P.J. Walker I think is going to be able to perform better than the relief appearance he wound up having against the Giants where he went 3 of 14 for 33 yards and, and pretty much a quarterback rating of someone who was buried in a coffin but it certainly has not been what you want to see there but Even for the Carolina Panthers, if you do wind up having Walker go out there, having McCaffrey out there, that's going to take some pressure off. And then you've got a defensive general with this Carolina Panthers bunch that has been very solid now that Shaq Thompson is back out there. Thompson has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. He's a big-time X-Factor, in my opinion, wound up having 10 tackles in that win against the Atlanta Falcons. So I take a look at him being an X-factor, and then you take a look at the Patriots, and they've been able to do a good job of being able to hold up on defense. The offense has been a little bit more stagnant. It seems like the Mac attack has been able to do a better job in recent weeks, but I just have a lot of a difficulty just having faith in this team in general. you got to feel like they're going to be pounding the rock with Damian Harris quite a bit, so I take a look at this total. Even though it is pretty much the lowest one on the board, I take a look at an under just because You just don't know what you're going to be able to get in general of the quarterback spot of the Carolina Panthers. I'm thinking that it's going to be Sam Darnold, but obviously you want to be checking in in the AM from all the brass, the NFL media members, what have you, as to who's all going to be going there. But I think either way, you're going to be looking at a lower scoring game, even with the Patriots dealing with their bevy of injuries when it comes to the defensive side. So taking a look at it under. I do think that there is some sneaky value here with the Carolina Panthers at a plus at a plus number, at a plus price if you're looking at the money line. I wouldn't be willing to go that bold, but when it comes to this spot as well, if you are like in the Panthers like I am, you want to be checking in in the AM because if it winds up being that Sam Darnold cannot play, you've got to figure that there is going to be able to be a line move and you're going to be able to get a better number. So a little bit of wait and see mode, but that's what I like there. I also like the fact that you've got a game between the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints that also has a low total. This is one of which I'm going to be taking a look at the under on as well because with the New Orleans Saints, they are going to be in transition. Jameis Winston winds up going down. He is now on injured reserve because of what wound up going down last week. And we've got a line of Falcons team that they're dealing with their own ailments. It's not necessarily an ailment, just the fact that Calvin Ridley, you wish him nothing but the best. He has decided to step away from the game for the time being to be able to focus on his mental health. But even with him out there, Matt Ryan was not necessarily lighting the world on fire. Now you've got to figure that Tajay Sharp is going to be seeing a lot of the reps in place of in place of Ridley, and then you've got Kyle Pitts who has been able to come into his own. But now the defensive attention is really going to be on Kyle Pitts after he's wound up busting out and has been able to have a couple nice weeks. In the game against the Carolina Panthers, he was held down, but he still wound up having six targets in that game previous two weeks against the Dolphins and the Jets. Now, it is the Dolphins and the Jets, but he wound up having north of 280 yards, in total 16 catches, a touchdown in that game over there across the pond. So he's been able to emerge, and he's been able to do a very solid job for the Atlanta Falcons, but now he is the main attraction for them when it comes to the outside and the tight end spot. And when it comes to the Saints, you've got to figure that this is a team that much like I thought that they were going to be doing at the beginning of the year. And by and large, I've been able to do it. They're going to be hanging their head on defense. The team has put just so many, in general, weapons on defense. They've allocated so many of their draft picks, the guys like Marcus Davenport and company. So I think that they're going to need to try to win this game in that front seven. And this is a Falcons offensive line that is not very good. So I do think that they're going to be able to get a lot of pressure there, especially with Cameron Jordan and company just firing all cylinders. And this is going to be an Alvin Kamara game because you do have Cal- you do have Trevor Simeon who's going to be taking the snaps for the team. And Kamara is just able to do a little bit of everything. He's been really good in the past game. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to be a stabilizing force when it comes to the ground game. It's rare that you wind up seeing a running back actually get north of 15 carries per game. He's been able to do that each out of the last five weeks. And you had to figure that this is probably going to be another 20-plus carry game for him with Simeon. I think that we all look at him and we think, oh, this is a guy that couldn't succeed in Denver. But at the very least, he does have starting experience. He came in relief last week now. It's really interesting when you wind up gauging that because you do take a look at Trevor Simeon. He winds up coming in cold, with his, which is a disadvantage to him. But also, obviously, the Buccaneers did not wind up preparing for him either. So you're able to look at that one of two ways. But with Simeon, you got to figure that he's just going to be asked to not turn the ball over. I think that that's what Sean Payton is really going to preach to him. And we've seen the job that he up doing with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, as we all remember two years ago, is part of the 30-30 club. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, was just lacking any sort of real command when it comes to that, just being able to rein it in and realize, oh, I don't need to force the ball in here. I think that things are going to be simplified under Trevor Simeon, which is why I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. I think that both of these teams are going to have a tough time being able to get more than really two touchdowns up on the board, I don't know what team really gets past 21. When you take a look at this, I don't really feel too strongly about the side. But if I were to take something, I probably would lean towards the points with the Atlanta Falcons, just because for one, like I mentioned, going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. But also, you just you take a look at the New Orleans Saints, and I think that they're going to have a tough time moving it as well. So it's a spot in which I really do like the under when it comes to the side. Not bullish on it. But if I were to take something, I'd be taking a look at the Atlanta Falcons, just defaulting to that in a little bit of a lower-scoring game. It's going to be really interesting to see what we wind up getting in this one as well because I talk about just all the question marks that we wind up having at the quarterback spot for the New Orleans Saints. If there's a team that they've been dealing with more than anyone else out there in the National Football League, it is the Las Vegas Raiders. They go on the road for a little bit of a body clock game. They're going to be playing against the New York football Giants. This is a number that has been toggling between 2.5 and, and 3 in some spots. I know that a lot of places, they wound up opening this at a flat 3. There are other places that wound up having this at a 2.5. Now you're seeing pretty much 3s across the board. And this total, it by and large, is a 46.5 wherever you are looking. As we know, the Raiders, they are dealing with their former teammate in Henry Ruggs. He wound up getting into the car accident. Everything that is bad about that, I mean... You wish absolutely nothing but the best for all that are involved with regards to that because just with humanity in general, you just, you don't want to see anything like that. Let's just be honest here. But when it comes to the Raiders, they wound up having to deal with adversity a few weeks ago when it came to John Gruden. He winds up getting canned because of all the emails that wound up coming out. And when it comes to the Raiders, it's just one of these things in which you've got to be looking a little bit more at the human element than anything else. It's never fun to play armchair psychologist, but you got to feel like the Las Vegas Raiders, they're going to be dealing with a lot in this week. I know that there have been a lot of teams. I mean, heck, even take a look at TCU on Saturday. They wind up fighting for their coach. Obviously, a different situation with it being a teammate who's no longer with the team and obviously a much more tragic situation. But I'm going to get into that on the other side because these are some of the most difficult games to handicap. So I'll give you guys my thoughts next, right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v the Esports Network.
2: Seeing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network.
3: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check out the current betting splits data. This feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving. For every single game, you'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for money line, over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way v is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out today's betting splits data for every single game, VSIN.com. As it is the final segment here of the Greg Peterson Experience, but have no fear. We've got you covered with a little bit of everything for this jam-packed for this jam-packed NFL Sunday. I very nearly said college basketball Tuesday because that's what I'm looking forward to. And speaking of which, in the final part of the segment, I'm going to give you guys my thoughts on the Champions Classic. Those two big games you're going to have Kansas taking on Michigan State and the Kentucky versus Duke game. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit on that. So I have no fear there, but we've got some more football to talk about as. You've got the Vegas Raiders on the road against the New York Giants. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Just everything that you've got swirling around the Raiders in general. It's just nearly an impossible spot. And then you add to it the fact that it's a body clock game. That's always tough. I always think that body clock games are one of the things that they go a little bit further under the radar. When you're out here on the West Coast, you wind up flying from west to east. You realize, oh, losing two hours is not so much fun. Good news is they do get an hour back. They they do get an hour back because of daylight savings time. So not as much of a body clock game, which I think that you do want to take that into a little bit of account. It does sound a tad bit silly, but I mean I do think that it makes a little bit of a difference. And when it comes to the Giants, this is a team that they are bruising and battered themselves. Kenny Galladay, he has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. I'm thinking that he should be able to play in this one, but you want to be checking in on his status. We know that Sterling Shepard is not going to be playing for them. That is in the bank, and you just take a look at it in general, and it has been tough for this Giants team because Saquon Barkley has been out. He just has never been able to stay out there on the field. So Devontae Booker, you've got to figure, is going to be able to get the majority of the carries. And Booker, well, he just has been booking it to zero yards whatsoever for this team. He's averaging right around three and a half yards per carry. It has not necessarily been the greatest of situations for him, but... I do take a look at this defense of the New York Giants, and I think that they're going to be able to step up a little bit. They were able to do a good job against the Chiefs now. Obviously, a Chiefs team in which things have not necessarily been going the world's greatest for them, but you know, Dory Jackson and company out there in the secondary have been able to hold up. Dexter Lawrence is someone that I've always liked at the end spot. Tate Crowder has been able to do a nice job in that front seven. Got to figure that Danny Dimes is probably going to have to get the ball to Evan Ingram, but I just take a look at everything that is going around the Raiders at this point, and it's hard for me to advocate anything for them. It's hard to bet against them as well, but once again, I take a look at the total. We've just been seeing it so much when it comes to these games in general in the NFL, and I think that you're staring at another under here. So, I mean, I feel like I've been just giving out under, under, under. I've done it for all but one of the games that I've taken a look at here, but I really like another under in this spot when it comes to Raiders versus the Giants. Now we've got to get to a little bit of college basketball. It is going to be coming up on Tuesday. It is the good old Champions Classic. You've got the Michigan State Spartans, and they are going to be playing against the Kansas Jayhawks. And then you've got the good old Kentucky Wildcats, and they're going to be playing against Duke. How about if we go with the one with the larger spread first? Kansas versus Michigan State. Depending on where you look, you're going to be finding Kansas as between a a 4.5 to a 5-point favorite. I'm seeing mostly fives right now, and I'm going to take the five with Michigan State. When it comes to the Spartans, this is a team that is so well-coached. I recognize that early on in a lot of their non-conference games, they have had a couple struggles, but I think that Tom Izzo is certainly going to have this team up for this one. And with Kansas, you ought to keep in mind, Jalen Wilson, guy that wound up averaging just under 12 points, eight rebounds per game, top rebounder for Kansas last year. He is suspended. He wound up having a DUI. He's going to be out for the first three games. He is not going to be in the fold. You also take a look at this Kansas team, man. There wound up being a little bit of a benching of Remy Martin in one of their exhibition games. Now, I think that this was just a tactic to try to get a little bit more out of Bill's self. And with Remy Martin, he was certainly getting you buzzed up if you were out there with Arizona State last year, shooting right around 35% for three, 19 points per game. He was able to do a solid job, but we are all sleeping on Tyson Walker, someone that at Northeastern last year, he wound up having quite a few turnovers, but I think a lot of that is because a bad possession for him was better than a good possession slash shot for so many of his other teammates. Still a guy that wound up shooting in the high 30s from three-point range. Able to give you right around two and a half steals per game. And I do think that with Wilson being out of the fold, this might be a little bit of a disjointed. Jayhawks team that they might be scuffling a little bit on offense. And if you take a look at this Kansas team, when they wound up being fans of the sands, obviously this is a neutral court game, but in road games, and what you want up having fans in the sands during the 2019-20 season, we have yet to see totals in a lot of these places, but they wound up playing 10 true road games. All 10 went under. Yeah, that is something that I think is going to be very juicy because I do think that Michigan State is going to be up to self on defense a little bit more. Joey Hauser last year was a liability on defense. He came over from Marquette, and Steve Wojcicki, something that he didn't coach while he was at Marquette was defense. So I think that him having another full year under the tutelage of Tom Izzo, obviously with the pandemic, they weren't able to work out a lot of these transfers, what have you as much last season, so I think that he's going to be able to take some nice strides forward, and I take a look at this spot, I've got to think that we're probably going to get a total in the mid-140s, and if that's the case, or if it winds up even being higher, we'll be looking at an under and taking the five-year with the Michigan State Spartans, and then the other game has a very tight spread. Right now, you're seeing in most places Duke be a one-point favorite against Kentucky, and I know that a lot of people are reacting to the fact that Kentucky wound up winning by just eight points against a D2 school a few days ago, but The good news is C.J. Frederick, won the transfers that is coming in from Iowa, a north of 40% three-point shooter the last two years. He has finally returned to practice. Now, even if he does wind up playing in this game, I don't think that he makes much of a difference, but I take a look at that backcourt. Ty Ty Washington, you also wind up bringing in severe Wheeler. I think that these guys are going to be dynamic. Much like what I was talking about with Tyson Walker and what he's able to bring for Michigan State, I wind up talking about that with Wheeler as well. He was in the top five in all of college basketball when it came to assists per game last year while he was at Georgia. While he was at Georgia, he wound up being towards the top of all of college basketball when it came to turnovers per game. But you have to realize, Mr. Wheeler, he was coached by a total buffoon. His name is Tom Crean, and he's still riding the coattails of Dwayne Wade, ladies and gentlemen. Now that he's got an actual coach in John Calipari, I think that he's going to be able to do a little bit of something. Now the big key for Kentucky is they have to, I'm not going to say shut down Paolo Boncaro. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to shut down Paulo Boncaro. This guy comes in he's right around six foot eight, six foot nine. He's able to handle. He's able to shoot from three. He does a good job of being able to defend multiple positions. This guy is absolutely incredible. But I think that Kentucky is going to have much more defensive moxie. You may recall this is a matchup that we wound up seeing during the 2018-19 season. Rememberably, Duke wound up putting up right around like 116 points in that game. It was a complete bludgeoning, and we all remember. Both teams wanted to make it to the Elite Eight of the NCAA Tournament in 2019. So I will caution you right now. No matter what winds up happening in these Champions Classic games, don't wind up putting, like, all your chips into the basket of one team if one team winds up having a very good showing. If one team winds up having a bad showing, it doesn't mean that the fate alert needs to be on. These are long seasons. I mean, let's use an NFL reference here. How many people want up writing off my good friends of Green Bay Packers after week one against the New Orleans Saints. And if you want to fading them after that, it has not necessarily went too well for you. So just keep that in mind. But I do think that Kentucky is going to be able to get quite a bit generated and they've got their top score returning in Davion Mintz. It is literally the first time in over 13 years that Kentucky is going to be returning their top score from last year. I think that that's going to be very beneficial. We've seen it under John Calipari in return in terms of returning players. They've ranked 325th or worse in every year that he has been there, aside from really that first year in which you wind up having just moving parts in general and things like that. But they've got actually quite a bit of experience returning, which I think is going to be good for them. And Duke, I think that someone like a Wendell Moore is going to be able to step up. He's going to be able to do a solid job for the team. Trevor Keels is someone I felt like really went under the radar when it came to recruiting. But A.J. Griffin is... Still going to be a little bit banged up. He has been able to turn an exhibition matchup. I think that he's going to be good to go in this game, but I question what form of A.J. Griffin you're going to be able to get here. I think that this is a line that is probably going to be steamed in favor of Duke. So if I'm able to get better than a point, well, that's good because I don't think that I'm going to need the points here with Kentucky. And this point, it's right now one point, but I'm going to be taking a look at Kentucky on the money line. I think that they get the job done here. I just think that people are going to be overvaluing Duke because you've got the farewell tour of Coach K and I do think that that is going to be a little bit of a motivational piece when it comes to Duke as well so I don't want to completely discount it but I also think that it could work as a distraction as well so you've sort of got a little bit of a double-edged sword there and when it comes to this Duke team in general three-point shooting has not necessarily been the forte of this team and I think that this might be the best three-point shooting team that we've seen with Kentucky in quite a while as well I think that they wind up getting the job done so we're looking at Kentucky and we're looking at Michigan State in those Champions Classic games. And if you're looking at v you're looking at a great day of content. We're going to have you just informed when it comes to the NFL, looking at all the scores, reacting to everything, and then giving you the opening lines when the day wraps up. All that is up next right here on the Sports Bank Network V-CENT.
1: WORK.